Jackson, New Jersey, by two ways, one passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in a world of baseball sports in unified America. And, you know, we've held off a little bit of doing a show because there's a couple things I've been thinking about. And, you know, you really, you, you get to a point where you try to think about what's right and what's not right. And understanding that no matter what side you try to take or who you try to defend or who you try to stick up for, there are many other people that are just never going to believe what you believe. And it's getting as we continue to move in, as it applies to the world of sports, the protest against social injustice. It's becoming less and less of a problem. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't going to be a backlash. It doesn't mean that there aren't some that are always going to take the stance that all lives matter. But all lives matter really is turning into all lives matter except for black lives. And you, know, you look at athletes as they're taking a stand with in unity with each other, understanding the differences that people are being treated, the differences that, unfortunately, darker skinned men are being judged by police officers. Now, so many different ways you can go with this, and I don't want to lose too many people, but if you're an athlete and you are trying to make a stand against what you see as social injustice, to just not play in a game, to join a group of people that are marching outside of any major city is losing a lot of luster. So you ask, what is it that the athletes can do? And I think it's time that the athletes band together, where we're talking about basketball players, baseball players, hockey players, soccer players, all have done the same thing this past week by not playing in games as a protest to the latest incident involving a police officer and a black person. But once again, not playing is not getting any closer to justice for these people, but also is not getting closer to the ending of this type of behavior. And I think it's time that if the athletes are want to make a stand, then it's time that they go to Congress. If you want to grab the most passionate basketball players, let's say the LeBron Jameses and the George Hills and you know, whoever else. And, and I'm not missing anybody by, uh, you know, by trying to hold them out. It's just, you know, I don't know the names of the most passionate, the players that are the most passionate about this cause. You know, you think of Steven Jackson and the things that, you know, he said, being a friend of George Floyd. So you think of things like that and, grab the group of players and it doesn't have to be just basketball players but to get them all together and bring them to to congress bring them to congress with the intention of trying to accomplish something 
And, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is that we haven't gotten to that point yet. A lot of it is the dog and pony show. A lot of it is the predictable behavior that you'd expect. Protesting groups of people standing outside of any building is not getting anything done. So it's time if the athletes do want to make a stand, if they believe what it is that they want to do, not playing in games. I believe it's from the heart. I believe it's passionate. I believe that they are 100% behind this, white, black, Hispanic. It looks like the players are unified when it comes to this movement for change. But now it's time to get behind it a little more. Congress got together and brought in, you know, any suspected player when, when it was talking about the, you know, steroids as they were impacting baseball. Congress had plenty of time to bring in uh, Mark McGuire's and the, the Jose Canseco's and the Rafael Palmeiro's and talk about steroids and performance enhancing drugs as they apply in a world of baseball. And you don't think this is a bigger issue? Now, Congress has to accept this. Congress has to call the players in. But what's wrong in knocking on their door and saying, you know what, there's a handful of us that would like to meet with you to discuss this particular scenario. And the things that I bring up, and I wouldn't just make it generic. I wouldn't say, hey, we're just out here talking to Congress. I put the most important things on the table. Number one, shoot to kill. It's time to do something about the shoot to kill mandate that the police officers have. And yes, this is all going to involve training of the police officers. And if they're instructed to shoot to kill in all scenarios, in all situations, it's leading to some of the things that we're seeing. You don't have to shoot to kill. Now, they're trained to do so, but maybe it's time to do something to change that. The second thing, killing of unarmed black men obviously make the police force look bad, obviously broaden the scope when it comes to you know, people unifying to stick up for each other in this scenario. How about make it a hate crime? How about make the police officers think even more than twice than they are right now if, if they're going to attack or if in their own minds they're apprehending somebody? You, you don't have to put a chokehold on somebody if you have somebody in custody already. If somebody has a weapon and they're disarmed, you treat them differently as if they're coming at you with a weapon? The killing of an unarmed black man should be considered a hate crime. And unfortunately, people don't want to do this. You know, and Alan says, hello, hey, how you doing, Alan? Welcome to the show. That's something that, you know, may or may not happen, but at least if you put it out there, When it comes to, uh, you know, you know, this type of situation and Alan, if you, if you want, you know, we can talk, uh, offline, you can email me at jrple at gmail.com. Not sure if you know that my show is live right now. Um, you know, when it comes to an unarmed black person, if they end up getting killed by a police officer, it should be considered a hate crime. We should stiffen the penalties of police officers that are killing. 
And like I said, sometimes it could be justified. If that police officer is in danger, if it's a gun pulled on them and it's a gunfight, there are extenuating circumstances. But as we're talking about the not just the recent you know, actions, but the actions that have been happening for years upon years, it is time to make a change. And it's not time to just protest and not play. It's not time to just protest and stand in front of a major city because those actions aren't helping. The third thing that has to be done is the police union has to be brought in as part of these discussions, not in regards to agree to it, but there has to be a, an effort to bring the police union into the severity of what's happening here. And the fact that they swear their lives, they give their lives to support all police officers, regardless of what their crimes are. And I've said this all along, that unions can have a much more positive impact if they supported what's right and what's wrong and not just its members. We talk about the umpires union in baseball. We talk about unions across the country and what do they end up doing? They end up getting people their jobs back that in some cases probably deserve to lose their job. They stick up for the employee because of their service time regardless of their standing in regards to their ability to do their job. And the police unions do need to be called out in this situation. It needs to be spoken to them and say, you know what? There's police officers that are not doing their job. It's time to condemn them. And you've heard me on the show talk before about condemning behavior that is not becoming of what you would expect. If somebody's doing something wrong, it doesn't matter if they look like you. It doesn't matter if you consider yourself one of them. Bad behavior is bad behavior. And it's time for unions to take a stand and stand for what's right as a pro, as opposed to just its rank and file members in regards to anything that it is that they do. And the other thing that has to be spoken about is protests. And I'm sorry, this is going to piss off some people. As, as you know, every time there's an event like this, you see, hey, there's people lining up to protest. I'm sorry, man. It's lost its luster. It doesn't have anywhere near the type of power that it had before. These protests are doing very little. And in fact, they're getting very predictable. They're getting predictable that a bunch of people are going to come out and stand, whether it's in Washington, D.C., or in any one of these cities that one of these events happen. And once again, you may throw a question at me. All right, what it is? what is it that we should do? And I told you. Get together, involve Congress, and start making some changes. Standing in front of a major city is not doing any good. And I also think it's time that we start to talk about the progress that we've made. Is it going to stop any incident from ever happening? No. But look at the unification that exists amongst people when it comes to Black Lives Matter. You may be in that minority that says all lives matter. In other words, you're saying that black lives don't matter. Just admit it. All lives matter means black lives don't matter. And it's okay. If you feel that way, 
You're entitled to your opinion. I'm not going to argue with you over your opinion. You have the right to feel whatever way that you choose to feel. But sports, whether it's black, white, Hispanic, all athletes have unified in support of Black Lives Matter. Your white liberals have unified in support of Black Lives Matter. Nickelodeon has support has unified in regards to Black Lives Matter. Generation Z, kids from the ages of you know 12 to 18, and maybe even into their 20s, regardless of the color of their skin, support Black Lives Matter. Once again, it should be more about doing something about it instead of just standing up and saying it. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and the solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction other use of pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial other use of programs such as by charging admission for its showing is similarly prohibited. So going after point number two, and Chris has got something to say. Let me get this up real quick. He says, here's what it comes down to. It's hard for a police officer to lose his job when he's dealing with somebody that's resisting arrest. And I agree with that 100%, Chris. I think that there has to be a complete understanding of what the rules are. Now, we could be vague in regards to resisting arrest. You know, not having an ID on you is not resisting arrest. That being said, there has to be some guidelines that need to be followed. And I've spoken about this on the show before. It's not just it's not just about taking a one side of it and saying police officers have to completely, you know, emasculate themselves. But the, the point is, is that the more that things like this happen, where there are unarmed people that end up losing their lives, it's not looking any better. But when somebody is resisting arrest, you know, there has to be some kind of guidelines of what is the next chain of actions. It's not, all right, you're resisting arrest, you just let them run away. But I do think there's some fine lines in here. But once again, every time there's another black person that ends up getting killed, when they're not posing a threat, when they're not when they're not attacking an officer, and they end up losing their life or getting themselves severely hurt, it does not look good in a situation. It doesn't make things any better. But I do think the major thing, and one of the things that are the most most impactful here, is the police union's refusal to condemn any police officer. And you could be the most passionate behind, you know, supporting police officers, which I do up to a certain point. And I believe that well into the high 90s in regards to percents of police officers are out there doing the right thing day in and day out. And if that was me, if I was amongst those, I'd be pretty pissed off 
that the actions of few are the ones that make me look bad. They're the ones that are making me or the person as a police officer be more under the microscope. But those are things that I think have to be considered. And it's not it's not just a discussion about, you know, the innocent black people that are being attacked and in some cases killed. It's to set up a standard of how are you to behave? You don't just resist against the police officer. There does has to be there has to be some ground. There has to be some ground in regards to defense. You know, what does a police officer do in a situation where there is somebody that has committed a crime and is resisting arrest? In fact, you know, we're talking about things that have to be brought up that aren't discussed. Why, why isn't this being discussed more? Now, this isn't to put, you know, those that are being innocently profiled on defense but it is something that has to be brought up. So the other thing we were going to bring up today, we we're talking about baseball. And I do thank everybody for tuning in. Like I said, comments are always up to you. So anything that's on your mind in the world of baseball sports and unifying America, you want to continue this discussion about police, about athletes standing up, about Black Lives Matter. I'm, I'm down for it. But I, I am going to move on for the moment. You know, you think of a 60-game baseball season and everything that has pretty much taken away what we're used to seeing in a baseball season. You got 60-game season, you got seven-inning doubleheaders, you got extra innings starting with a runner at second base. You got, you know, 29, 28-man rosters. You got doubleheaders happening about every day. Games getting postponed left and right. You know, this doesn't seem like a season. You got the expanded playoff formats where there's 16 out of the 30 teams are all going to make the playoffs this year. And that's one thing that, that I, I was against from the beginning. I think it's it's fun, sure. It adds a dynamic, but also is a little bit of a charade. Imagine that team, that seven or eighth seed, when it comes to the playoffs, ends up making it to the World Series. You think about this season being enough of a joke as it is. And there's still a doubt. There's still a doubt over whether we get through this last month. You know, we look at games and they, it may get to a point where games may not be able to be rescheduled. I think that's going to be an issue. How many more games are going to be postponed? Hopefully you don't have another outbreak of the coronavirus. Because I think, uh, you know, you're really one major team or one team major outbreak away from this season being compromised. So I think that's one aspect that isn't getting spoken about that much anymore. All of a sudden it feels like, hey, we're halfway through the baseball season. We're in the clear. We're going we're gonna to be okay. Are we really? You know, like I said, we're one, probably one team major outbreak away from this season being compromised. We're getting to a point where games are getting, becoming so, so much more and more difficult to be rescheduled as part of doubleheaders. And you give Major League Baseball credit, it's one thing they've done right, whether it was the Marlins, whether it was the Cardinals, most recently the Mets. Obviously, every team 
taking at least a game off when it comes to the protest of social injustice. Just about every one of these games have been rescheduled to this point. And I give Major League Baseball credit for that. But, you know, you're looking back, there's going to be one team assuming that the season gets finished, which I hope it does. But if the season gets finished, there's going to be one team that's going to consider themselves a World Series champion. And there's going to be 29 other teams that are going to be pointing out all the gimmicks that were going to put into the game of baseball this year and aren't going to have taken this season seriously. And it's, it's interesting is we're only a day or so away from the Major League Baseball trading deadline. I expect there to be some activity. I expect there to maybe be uh, as much activity as there is in past years. You ask me, is there going to be more activity? I would say no. Is there less activity? There's going to be no. I don't think more teams are going to be active because they consider themselves in the mix. I don't think that more teams are going to look at it and say, this is only a 60-game season. I'm not mortgaging my future to make a little run to make a seventh or a sixth or an eighth seed when it comes to the playoffs and a wild card in Major League Baseball. So I think there's going to be a balance of that. Teams saying, you know what, I'm not going for it this year. And then other teams that are saying, hey, maybe this is my one shot, my one opportunity to seize everything I ever wanted and go out there and make a push. So I think they're going to kind of cancel each other out. I don't think you're going to have a busier trade deadline, but I don't think you're going to have a a trading deadline that's any less busy than what we've seen in past years. But, you know, you look at the changes of the game. And Mark Craig, who is a guy I follow, writes for The Athletic, does an outstanding job. Uh, what I, one of the things I respect about him the most is that he, he, he's, he's a free thinker. He's not out there to follow any sort of narrative or any sort of guidelines and say, hey, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. He, he has spoken about what could be better for baseball down the road, and that's a seven-inning baseball game. Now, I have spoken and I've taken the other side of it and I do respect people's opinion. I say this all the time, you know, points of view, everybody's got one. You know, some of them make more sense because they're based off of more facts. But if you're using facts to base your argument or the side that you're taking, it it, it should be respected. And I look at it this way, you know, baseball has catered to the fact that pitchers aren't pitching deep into games anymore. And this is something that has been institutionalized as, as baseball has made this a normal thing. Pitchers, hey, you pitch 100 pitches, we got to get you out of there. It's the saving of the arm. It's the lack of interest in having a baseball pitcher, a starting pitcher, face a lineup a third time. And I, I look at these things and I say, you know, does it have to be? And that's kind of what I'm looking at. Now, Mark will say this. He'll say, you know, the game's been bastardized as it is. You got pitchers that are barely getting into the fifth inning, relievers that are the seventh and eighth relievers on a staff, usually the worst. In some cases, if the rosters were smaller, these would be the first pitchers or players to lose their job. Getting in a game and getting beat up and kind of impacting the game for the worst. And that, I understand. But when did this discussion have to end when it comes to pitchers pitching just five innings 
why don't pitchers get stretched out anymore? You're looking at Lance Lynn with the Texas Rangers, and they still have a little of that Nolan Ryan mentality that they had about, what was it, about five, six years ago? Remember C.J. Wilson, Colby Lewis, Nolan Ryan kind of getting involved saying, listen, we're going to stretch these pitchers out. We're going to expect not just 100 pitches, but we're going to expect these starters to pitch very deep into games, start upon start, just like the old days. And he found, you know, and this is going back as early as like 2009, 2010, 2011, it was effective for a little while. Now, Colby Lewis had a little bit of a resurgence of his career, kind of faded away. C.J. Wilson signed a contract with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and got hurt. So, you know, the precedence of pitchers pitching deeper into games, throwing more pitches, wasn't necessarily a proven success. And nobody else outside of the Rangers ended up doing it. Now you're seeing Lance Lynn, who I hate, you know, we talk about Cy Young as we're going to have in a 60-game baseball season. There's one aspect, there's two aspects. We think of Lance Lynn maybe being in position to win the Cy Young this year. And I think it would be a great thing for baseball. I'm in favor of it. He's had an outstanding season, but one of the things that's most impressive about what it is that he's doing is he's going out there start after start, pitching seven innings, throwing 100 pitches, throwing 110, throwing 120 pitches, and he's effective on it. So as we get across baseball, we think of the Jacob DeGroms and the Garrett Coles and think about the very few pitchers that are being treated as if, hey, you know what, they're going to go out there and throw more pitches than we're going to expect your average pitcher when they're not getting through a batting order the third time. Maybe it's time that we start to try to save the game of baseball. If you don't want to see seven-inning doubleheaders become a norm and seven-inning baseball games going from nine innings, then what are we doing to preserve the pitchers and the game in the state that it is? The fact that starting pitchers are being rewarded for going four innings, that bullpen games are becoming a thing, openers and relievers upon relievers are becoming a thing. Well, baseball has a chance to change that. To this point, they haven't. And, you know, unless you're watching a game that's evolving before our eyes and you want to see a seven-inning game down the road, then I think it's time that teams start to push their starting pitchers a little bit. And if you don't think you have the best starting pitchers, then, you know, maybe it's time to piggyback your starters. One guy that's going out there to pitch three to four innings. The next guy going out there to pitch three to four innings. You saw that with the Colorado Rockies a while ago, and unfortunately it was just the wrong organization playing at the wrong home field with the wrong management for it to be successful. But what is baseball doing to preserve its own history? You've heard me talk about baseball history. You know how much I love baseball history. You know, they, don't, they don't seem to be fighting any of these changes. Runner at second base to start extra innings, that should be ended. There should be an outcry over it. The base, the traditional baseball fan should say, all right, I get how it's used in a 60-game truncated season, 
But after this year, season, it's got to go. I don't even want to use it in the minor leagues anymore. Three batter rule when it comes to pitchers. I actually think that's a positive. You know, we're tired of 100 pitching changes. We're tired of a, a pitcher coming in there facing one battering and taken out of the game. I know the modern-day baseball fan loves it. it. It's not baseball. If you're a major league pitcher, you should be able to get a right-handed and left-handed hitter out if you're that good. If not, I'm not so worried about you losing your job. I'm sorry. You know, that loogie that programmed himself to only be able to throw pitches that can get a left-hand batter out or a right-hand batter out, I'm sorry. You're going to lose your job to pitchers that are better than you. I think, and I'm looking at this because I don't think baseball as a whole, as an organization, is doing anything to combat these changes. And you're watching things change before our eyes. And if we look down the road and we see baseball getting switched from nine innings to seven innings, I got nobody to blame but baseball. I'm not blaming the people that are changing the game of baseball. I'm, ba- I'm going to blame baseball for not standing up for itself. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show. Today we spoke a little bit about uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, rather than po- protesting, which is becoming predictable, I think in some cases it's becoming less effective. I think it's time that we start talking about and having real conversations about some of the changes that need to be made. Police unions standing up for its members as opposed to what's right and wrong. And it's not just police unions, it's unions all across the country. They support their rank and file before they support what's right and wrong. And so, and, and it's got to be changed. There's got to be some sort of a battle against that. You're going to stand up for somebody just because he's one of your own and not factor in what it is that they've done wrong. And if I want to see some changes... Yes, there should be some understanding of what a police officer's job is. If a police officer is going out there and you've committed a crime, you should not resist arrest. You should not fight that police officer. Because you know what? That's when things become violent. But And unfortunately, the actions of a minority, and I do still believe that there's a minority of police officers out there that aren't doing their job correctly and they're making it worse for everybody. They're the ones that need to be condemned by their own, by their brethren, by the police unions. Killing an unarmed black man should be considered a hate crime. And we talked about the police union. We also spoke about baseball. Now, we talk about the season that's kind of been changed a little bit, a, a season that may be a, uh, I don't know, a one-off, I guess, history of baseball. You'll go back, you'll say, hey, this is the season that things were a little bit different. You know, you, you look at some of the changes to the rules and the possibility that some of these rules could become real and permanent. And one of them that has to be considered is a seven-inning game. I'm against it. But I'm against it not because I don't see baseball going in that direction. It is. 
Use your starting pitchers. Ask more out of them. You know, getting them out two times through the batting order because your numbers say that is changing the whole game. And it may actually change the rules of the game over time. And baseball and the use of its starting pitchers is going to have a big say over whether we're going to be talking about seven-inning baseball games down the future. Once again, you're going to look at a team and hopefully, like I said, we're one major outbreak of the coronavirus impacting another team away from not being able to reschedule games. Certainly an outbreak in a postseason away from a canceled postseason. But assuming this season gets finished, there'll be one World Series champion and 29 other teams thinking about how much of a charade this was, how much of a gimmick the 2020 baseball season was. And is it bringing in more fans? Are there more people tuning in to television and the radio? Maybe because they have to. Remember, they still haven't opened up any stadiums for any fans to come in. And wonder how it will apply to football. Some teams announcing it's going to be pretty hard to see fans at games this year. Others, it may be a possibility. You're going to have the basketball and hockey seasons finish themselves without any fans. And obviously, you know about how much money has been lost throughout the world of sports. Do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show. Passball Show is brought to you by the new and improved JohnPielli.com. If you haven't checked it out lately, I got a lot of clickable links on there. Um, you can help me make some of the comparisons that I make there. Um, worst winning percentage amongst NFL head coaches. Compare some of the guys that I have listed. Top 100 offensive position players of all time. I got my list, but also you can check the player stats and kind of make your own comparison. Also brought to you by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.